Welcome to the Simple Church Podcast, where we're committed to helping you know God, find freedom, discover your purpose, and make a difference. Let's get to today's message. Really awesome. Well, I'm going to jump into what we're talking about today. We are in this series called Pray First. Pray first, and it is my goal as your pastor to really help ingrain the, uh, this idea into you, to really make this part of your heart, and to make sure that prayer becomes our first response and not our last resort. Prayer must become the first response that we have to anything and everything. It must become the priority thing that we do. It's first, that we don't go out and live our lives and try to do everything we can and our strength, and then when we can't do no more, we go, well, all we can do now is pray. How many times have we said that? How many times have we been part of that exact conversation? Say, hey, God, we're going to make some plans. We're going to go ahead and execute. And when it doesn't go the way we want it to, when it doesn't turn out the way we thought it would, when we wind up disappointed, when we're pitching a fit and we're complaining and crying about it, that's when we'll turn to God. But that is not the way the Bible lays out prayer and our conversation and our relationship with God. That it must be a pray first kind of thing. Because here, here's, here's what happens in Proverbs. Solomon wrote this, and he's so smart. This is what he said in Proverbs 19.21. It's not going to be up on your screen. I added this late. My bad. Proverbs 19.21, if you're taking notes, and you should be, says you can make many plans. So you can make your plans. You can go for it. You can lay out your day. You can set up your meetings. You can rehearse your conversations if you need to. You can plan that vacation. You can plan your move. You can plan a lot of things in your life. But Solomon goes, but the Lord's purpose will prevail. In other words, what God's got for you is what he's going to give you, regardless of how you're going to walk this thing out. Hello? I mean, by nature of him being God, that's what he's going to do. And so a pray first attitude, what it does is it says, hey, God, we know we can make these plans, but what we want to do is go ahead and get on board with your plans first. We want to go ahead and align ourselves with your desires, with your will, with what you have for us first. We want to submit our will, submit our plans, because this is what we think we ought to do, but can you go ahead and tell us what we ought to do? Because prayer, just as much as it is talking to God, you're also supposed to take time to listen. And so we can lay our plans before God, and I'm encouraging you, and my heart and my hope is when we get done with this series, you're going to pray first. That before you send that text, you pray first. Before, before you make that phone call, before you have that conversation, you're going to pray first. That you're going to begin talking to God and getting on board for his plans first. And I want to help you set that, that, that pattern because I realize that this is like a muscle. You've got to strengthen it. You've got to work it in order to have it be your first response. Like, like it's a reflex. That's what I wanted for you, Right? And so we got to help you with that. And we're going to help you. The ways we're going to help you is first, we're going to help you have a habit of prayer by beginning your day with prayer. That's why we do 21 days of prayer. We do this twice every year. We do it in January to let God know we're giving you the first part of our year. You're the priority relationship. And in January, we do it with fasting. In August, we do it with feasting. Bless the Lord. (laughs) And we do it in August because 
this season, we come out of the summertime, the summer's really disruptive, and we kind of get out of our rhythms, don't we? We kind of leave our spiritual life on the back burner, and, and we, we got time doing a bunch, we got, we're, we're doing a bunch of things. And so we, we forget and let those disciplines slide. Well, 21 days of prayer gets us back into that habit because it takes 21 days to start a habit, right? And so we're going to build that muscle up, and so you can join us. The way we're going to help you is that every day, Monday through Saturday, we've got a video, like Michelle talked about, that'll be posted on our app. And if you're on social media, which I don't recommend anybody is, but if you are, it'll be on Facebook every day at 7 a.m. It'll go live then, and you can watch it. Join us at 7, or you can watch it anytime during the day. But I'm encouraging you to pray first. Be, be, be there first, because we're going we're gonna to discuss Scripture. We're going to pray together. We're going to talk about what that verse means, and, and you're going to learn how to pray Scripture. We'll give you a prayer focus. Every single day, it'll be something different. And so I'm encouraging you to be part of it, to pray first, to watch those videos, to join us for what we call our first 15. The videos will be, some of them, or most of them, are, are no more than five minutes. And so it can be part of your first 15, five minutes in the Word, five minutes in prayer, and five minutes in worship, just telling God how much you love Him. But let's make prayer a priority. Amen, everybody? And then there's a lot of you here that you're like, Aaron, I've never prayed before. I don't really know how to do it. Get me into the practical nuts and bolts of how to do it. Great, I'm glad you asked. We have resources for you. At the Connect Center, there are these blue books called Pray First. It's really easy. The series is called Pray First. The book is called Pray First. If you grab, grab that prayer guide, it has some prayer models and some suggested ways to pray, different kinds as well. And you can take it into your prayer time and move through those prayer models. I gave you a prayer model last week, the tabernacle prayer. It's in there. The version I'm going to give you today is also in there. You can get that guide or you can download the app. There you go. That's the thing right there. And if you download the app, it's actually got music so that you can listen to some cool music while you're in your time of prayer and reading God's word. And so we, we want to give you these, these resources, but I also want to do what the scripture says. The scripture in the uh, Old Testament, God talking about his, his word said, hey, bind it on your wrists and write them on your forehead. And so you know what? We're going to actually have, help you have this concept on your wrist. And we're giving away these pray first bands. There's a table as you walk out. And there's two different sizes there. Make sure you pay attention to that because uh, you might get one that's going to fit up on your elbow or something if you get the, the big one like I got. But, uh, but, but it says pray first on it to remind you. I love this week. I went out to the grocery store, and I saw a couple of my friends walking through the grocery store. And I knew, I, I knew their faces, but I also identified them because they were wearing a Pray First band. Loved it. Loved seeing the pictures of our team in Honduras, all of them wearing Pray First bands, and the kids wearing Pray First bands. Like, this, this, if you want this to be part of your life, wear it on your wrist. It'll remind you. Pray first. You say, Aaron, are you starting a cult? No, I'm not starting a cult. I'm not. I just want this to be part of your life because I know that if you'll make prayer part of your life, it'll change everything about your life. I want that for you. I want you to have a strong relationship with God. I want you to have everything that he has for you. And I believe that prayer is one of the most important things that we can do in our Christian lives. So we're giving you all these resources, and that's also what this series is about, Pray First. We started talking about the series off with, with talking about the priority of prayer and why it's important to do it first, to honor God and do it first. And if you missed that message, it really sets this whole series up. I encourage you to make sure you listen to it. Last week, we talked about a prayer model because Jesus didn't just say, when, when the disciples were like, hey, teach us how to pray, he didn't say, okay, say these words. He said, pray after this manner. In other words, this is a model. 
This, this, is, this is a way you can pray. Here's a bunch of things you can pray about. And he gives seven things in the Lord's Prayer. Give seven things that you can pray about. And so I, it was in, last week I went through what was called the tabernacle because it is also a model for prayer. And I taught on that, and, and, uh, and there are seven points in, in that prayer as well. And that will be a blessing to you if you weren't here last week. Make sure you listen to that. Today I want to offer you a model for a very simple and yet powerful prayer. Very simple. It's probably one of my favorite prayers to pray because it's something you can pray quickly or it's something you could really spend some time praying and talking to God about. But these are important things. And if you didn't know you could pray for them today, man, I'm going to open your heart, open your world to what is possible. Because in this prayer, there are four words, four things simple to seek God for. And I think you're going to enjoy it. So if you're taking notes, make sure you do so today. If you're not taking notes, get out a connect card on the back. There's a spot that has a place for you to take some notes. Um, But a little background on this prayer. This prayer shows up in the Old Testament. And it shows up in a place that you really wouldn't expect it to show up. Because in the book of Chronicles, there are, uh, it's a genealogy. Basically, it's a list of, and they had him. And they had him, and some translations say, and they begat him, and they begat him. And they, you ever say a word so many times that it starts sounding funny? You know, begat, 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 begat. Like, you, you'll get that vibe reading the book of Chronicles, right? And it's in the middle of these 600 names. No stories are told except for one. There's one story told. And it's interesting to me why this story is told. It's almost like... Everybody in this list didn't do anything significant, but this one person did. And what this one person did, the reason why he got an honorable mention among these 600 people was because he prayed a prayer that honored God, and God responded to it. That's it. It's the only part of his story that we really get. And it's a short prayer, but it's a prayer that God shows up for. No other stories just one, it's the story of a man named Jabez. And it's found in First Chronicles chapter 4, starting at verse 9. It says, Jabez was more honorable than his brothers. So Jabez got some brothers, okay? He's got some siblings, and he's a distinguished guy, okay? He's more honorable. He's a man of integrity. He shows up. He does what he says he's going to do. He's competent. He's a man of character. He's honorable, right? This is who Jabez is. And it says, his mother had named him Jabez, saying... I gave birth to him in pain. Pause, right here. She called him Jabez because she gave birth to him in pain. The word Jabez literally means pain. Some of you are like, I got a kid named Pain. And you're feeling me. You know what I'm saying? But his mom named him Payne. Now, I've heard some interesting names for kids. Uh, we got River Phoenix. We got, we got celebrities that name their kids Apple. We got, people, we got a guy named Bear Grylls, which sounds like an action, not like a name. You, Bear, you'll think about that one later. That's fine. <laughs> Axel Slash. I knew a kid. My kids went to, to Old Orchard uh, in Columbus when they, when they were in kindergarten. And I kid you not. I kid you not. I'm not giving you his full name, and I'm not making fun of it. I just think it's interesting because his parents gave him a name that was more of a label. And I thought, I was like, wow. His middle name, 
and actually printed on the roster, had his first name, his last name, and his middle name, which was Infamous Pimpin. Now, let me tell you about Infamous Pimpin. He is a scholar. He has grown up. He's the age of my boys. They're 21. He is a scholar. He is a poet. He is distinguished. And he is Infamous Pimpin indeed. He's a good man. I'm not saying he's perfect. I'm just saying. saying, I cannot believe you just said those words on stage. All I'm saying was the dude's name. Kid's mom named him Payne. It's like, well, here's Tommy, and here's Susie, and here's Keisha, and that's, over, that's Ray Ray over there, and here's Payne. Here he is. This is Payne. Now, we don't know from the story what caused her so much pain. Like, we, we don't know that. It, it doesn't tell us what caused her the pain so that she named him Payne. But this was very common, by the way, that the circumstances surrounding a child's birth, they would name him accordingly. Abraham, who was the, the patriarch of our, of our faith, the one that God said, through you, I'm going to bless everybody. Abraham and Sarah were really old, and God said, you're going to have a son. And Abraham hadn't been able to have a son up until that point. And Sarah laughed. So they named their son Isaac, which means laughter. Isaac had a son, twins. And when they came out of the womb, the second boy was grasping at the ankle of the other one. And apparently that was like a metaphor or like a symbol that this kid was a deceiver. So they named him Jacob. And Jacob was indeed a deceiver. He deceived his brother and swindled him out of his birthright. He deceived his father and swindled him out of a blessing that he, his older brother was supposed to get. Jacob was a trickster. And some of you understand that because some of you have been given labels in your life. Some people have said some things about you. They've talked about your mental capacity. They've talked about your body. They've talked about your family situation. They've talked about a decision that you've made, and they put a label on you with their words and or by their actions and the way that they treated you, and you believed it. And that label is something you have lived under, and it's something maybe you've never shaken. And as a result, you live up to your label. Say, well, if this is what they think of me, and they're never going to let me be anything other, I might as well go ahead and be the best at that label that I can be. Some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. We don't know why she named him pain because none of the other kids were named that way. We don't know if it was physical pain that maybe she had some kind of abnormal birth process and so she had some physical pain during birthing. I mean, that's very possible and very common. We don't know if it was relational pain. Maybe, maybe dad wasn't there or maybe dad has already passed away and so she felt like, here I am doing this alone. Maybe it was spatial pain. It was related to where she had the baby because y'all know when a baby comes, they don't pick convenient times. She could have been out in the field gathering or hunting. She, it, it could have been, well, I wanted to have my baby at home, but she had it at the toilet in Walmart. You know what I'm saying? That's a story to tell. Maybe a story you wouldn't want to tell. Maybe it was social pain. Maybe, maybe Jabez was born with some deformity, and she was concerned about him being an outcast or rejected or their family thought less of. Maybe it was economical pain because we already know he had siblings. Maybe he was just another mouth to feed. She said, you are my source of pain. Whatever caused it, the outcome was the same. He was named pain. Now, could you imagine what your life would be like if your name was pain? Could you imagine maybe if if your life, if you weren't named pain, but maybe your life was just full of pain? 
whatever that looks like. I imagine that if you're living through pain, not like temporary, but like ongoing, chronic pain, a relational pain, a spiritual pain, whatever pain, living in pain is not fun. And I know that if I were to sit down with you as you're walking through your pain, that's what you would describe to me. That's what you would talk about. You would talk about your life that has been marked by pain. And if your life has been marked by pain, what would your prayer life be like? What would you talk to God about? Because Jabez, his name is pain. And we don't know what kind of pain he's going through. But the rest of this prayer lets us know that there was something he was trying to escape. But he doesn't talk to God about his pain. Not at all. Here's what the rest of the verse says. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. Good start, by the way. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Doesn't mention his pain. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm. Still not mention his pain. So that, ah, here it is, I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. See, what Jabez didn't do in the midst of his pain was focus on his pain. What he did was he set his sights on something, rather someone, who was higher than his pain. And he said, instead of me coming to you with my agenda, what I'm going to do is I'm going to get on board for your agenda. That in the middle of this pain, I'm going to pray for what you've got for me in this. Now, don't get me wrong. I don't think there's any problem with you talking to God about your pain. In fact, the Bible tells us in Philippians 4 that be anxious for nothing. Don't be worried about anything. But take all that stuff to God, and he'll give you peace in exchange. I'm summarizing, but that's what it says. Peter tells us to cast all our cares and all our worries on God because he cares for us. God wants to hear about your worries, your cares, your pain. But I'm telling you, friends, that if we focus on something that is beyond our pain, we'll find strength and power to get through our pain and we'll discover what God has for us in that pain. And I think that's our issue. We tend to focus on our pain. We focus on getting out of pain. We are comfort seekers, aren't we? I like comfort. I like comfortable shoes. I like comfortable seats. I like comfort food. I don't know if you can tell that or not. I like it. I like a comfortable couch, comfortable bed. I like comfortable clothes. I seek comfort. You do too. We seek it so much that that's what we begin to talk to God about. That's what we focus on. But oftentimes, our problem isn't our problem. Our problem is that we don't have anything in life greater than our problems. That we don't acknowledge God in the midst of those things. And Jabez figured this out. He figured it out. That God, if I just get on board for what you have for me, you're going to give me everything I need to get through this pain. Not necessarily just get out of it. And I want this for you. I want you to pray prayers like Jabez prayed. Because if you'll learn to pray prayers like Jabez prayed, you'll pray prayers that God will hear and that he'll respond to. That he'll stop in the middle of a genealogy and go, wait, 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 wait. I know this is important, but my dude just prayed a prayer I'm going to honor. I want you to pray prayers that God answers because I know that if you do, 
then you'll want to pray. That I won't have to preach for you another series about prayer. Because when God shows up and answers your prayers, you'll be like, I'm going to do that again. I'm going to keep on praying because God shows up when I do. I want that for you. So you say, Aaron, what kind of prayer should I pray when I'm in pain? Because remember, it's not about ignoring your pain. It's about acknowledging God's agenda for your life first. It's learning to pray like Jesus prayed. When Jesus gave us the model for prayer, he said, acknowledge God first. So our Father who's in heaven, let's, uh, let's relate to God first. He says, your kingdom come. In other words, hey, God, when, when we step into God's kingdom, you know that we step in it, we're stepping into God's way of doing things, right? It's in his kingdom. It's his laws. It's his rules. We're submitting. God, I'm going to submit to what you have for me. Your kingdom come, oh, and by the way, your will be done. So what I want is to get out of this pain. What you probably want for me to do is to stay in this pain because God cares more about your character than he cares about your comfort. James tells us to, to, to count it all joy when trials and tribulations come our way because God's doing something in you. He's at work. And so we align with God's plans First, we do what Jesus taught us to do and what Jabez did before we deal with our pain areas. So there are four things Jabez prayed so that he could be free from pain. And this is what we can pray when we are in pain. And the first thing is to pray for God's blessing. Pray for God's blessing. Now, some of you are here today and you don't believe that God wants to bless you. But I'm here to tell you that he does. He absolutely loves to bless his kids. And here's the thing. I feel like if you really believed that, then you'd ask for God's blessing. For example, I have this $20 bill here. And if you found out that I wanted to give it away and all you had to do was ask for it, you'd ask for it, wouldn't you? You can, Jeff. Come get it. Yep. Because he asked for it. I wanted to give it away. There you go. Well done, Jeff. Now I have this other $20 bill. I don't want to give it away. That one's mine. It's that simple, guys. If you knew God, you believed that God wanted to bless you. It was just as simple as asking for it. You would. And I need you to believe that today. I want to show it to you in Scripture. Psalm 5, verse 12 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. We can see God's intent and his heart for us all throughout Scripture. We can see it in the very beginning stories of the Bible where God shows up in Genesis 26, he shows up for Isaac, who is Abraham's son again. And it says, Isaac sowed in the land, he was a farmer, and he reaped in the same year a hundredfold. He got 100% return on his investment, y'all. Most of us nowadays are getting between 5 and 7% on our investments, maybe even a less. He got a 100% return on what he sowed in the ground. That's some favor. That's some blessing. And it says, and the Lord blessed him. And watch this. I'm going to say some words that we hate to hear in church. But the man began to prosper and continued prospering until he became prosperous. Say, Aaron, I didn't think I was in a prosperity church. 
Are, is this the prosperity gospel church? Because I am out of here quicker than you can blink. <laughs> listen, listen, I'm, I'm with you, and I will go with you if that was the case. But we are not a prosperity gospel church. You say, what does that even mean? It's the name it and claim it, blab it and grab it group of people that believes that if you quote a scripture to God and you tell him what you want, he has to give it to you like he's a cosmic vending machine in the sky. It's, it's, it's not good Bible teaching. It's, it's not right doctrine. We are not a prosperity gospel church, but we are a Bible-believing church. I do believe the Bible, and prosperity is something that God wants for us. The problem with prosperity is the way that we think about it, because we think about prosperity meaning money, 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 money. We think it's all about that. It's not about that. Prosperity is something that God wants for us that doesn't always have to do anything with money. It's not about nice houses. It's not about fancy cars. It's not about furs and iced-out wrists. It's not about that. Prosperity, the idea of it in Hebrew, the word, is selach. you got to say it with a little bit of phlegm at the end. Selach, right? It means to push forward. It basically means this. Prosperity is, means that I'm going to do everything that I can do, and when I'm at the end of what I can do, God pushes me the next step further. That he adds his power and his blessing and his favor to what I'm doing. That is prosperity, and I want that. I want that for you. I want that for me. I want it in my marriage because I can be a good husband, but God will make me a better husband. I can be a good employee, but God will make me an employee with favor and creative ideas and a better contributor. I want to be a good father, but God will make me a better father. That's prosperity. God adds his power, and he pushes you forward. He says, I want that for you. So from that perspective on what prosperity is, well, yeah, we're a prosperity church for sure. Because I want you to have God's power in your life. I want it to grow you. I want it to push you forward so that when the world sees you blessed and prosperous, they look at you and want your God. The New Testament says this in, Third John verse, or, uh, chapter 1, verse 2, I pray, beloved, that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. The right theology on prosperity isn't the current reputation that it has. It's about God. It's about God adding his power to your life. We're looking for a good definition. Prosperity is having more than I need so I can make an eternal difference in the lives of of others. Hashtag blessed to be a blessing. See, God doesn't mind you being blessed, but he's not blessing you just so that you can be blessed. He's not prospering you just so that you can be prosperous. He is blessing you so that you can be a blessing to others, so that you have way more than you need so that you can offer it to others. And again, this is not about money. Stop thinking about it in material things. We're talking about comfort. In 1 Corinthians 10, it talks about how God comforts us, and the same comfort we receive, we will give it to others. And we're talking about peace. The peace we receive, we can place on others by being a presence in their life that is godly. Oh, come on, somebody. I'm talking about joy. I'm talking about favor. I'm talking about patience, hope. We're talking about blessing us with opportunities, blessing us with second chances, and that's all stuff we can receive so that we can give it to others. And God gives these things in abundance to us so that we prosper. He gives them to us 
so that we're prosperous and we can pay it forward, so that we can pass these things on, so that we can be a blessing to others. You can see God's intent, play as day throughout scriptures. Back to the initial, the initial stories in Genesis, Genesis 12. Talking to Abraham, he says, I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous. Somebody, you talking about TikTok famous, Pastor? No. Talking about, like, cinema famous? Nah. No, I, I'm talking about famous. You can be famous in your, in your household. <laughs> you can be famous in your community. You can be famous for good things, and you can be famous for bad things. I mean, Charlie Manson is famous, but he's famous because he led some people to do some terrible acts. You can be famous for a lot of things. And I'll tell you what, can I tell you one of the things that I celebrate that Simple Church is famous for? It's generosity. I love that in our community, the, the city leadership and the people of this city celebrate our generosity. God said, I'll bless you and I'll make you famous and you'll be a blessing to others. That's his intent. That's his purpose. You're not blessed just to have more stuff. You are blessed to be generous to others. Man, I love to be generous. I don't know if you've ever just given away money before, like I just did a little bit ago. I know it was only 20 bucks, but that was fun to me. Was that fun for you, Jeff? Amen. Yes. That's... It reminds me, I've got this other 20. Now I'm going to keep that. Right, I'm still going to keep it. Exactly, <laughs> guy in the back, he just raised his hand slow. It's fun to be generous. And I remember this book I read called The Treasure Principle by Randy Alcorn. And in it, he tells a story about how he had a desire in his heart. He wanted to be so generous that he lived on 10% of his income and gave away 90% of it. And he, got, he and his wife got to that place. And I was like, how much fun? I remember going to my wife, babe, how much fun would it be if we, if we only lived off our 10%? She's like, we're going to live in a box on the street? Because what, 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 what are we doing? Yes, but it'll be a nice box, babe. <laughs> one of them refrigerator ones, you know, a big one. Room enough for both of us to stand there like this. <laughs> but I want to do that. I don't know, that sounds like fun to me. Give away 90% of your earnings. I think that's awesome. We decided as a church, because generosity is such an important part of who we are, that when, before we opened our doors, every dollar we received, we were going to give away 10% of it as a baseline. And then we were going to give away more as the Lord directed us and, and, and gave us opportunities to. A lot of churches don't do that when they first start. Their first two years, for most church plants, they keep all their funds because they need it all to get the church going. They need it to grow, grow their community, to make the connections so the church thrives. And we just said, you know what? We're going to be generous from the beginning. It's going to be the hallmark of who we are. We're going to tithe 10%. We're going to give it away. We're going to give, give it away first so that we can be a blessing in our community. And as a result, I believe that God has blessed us. I believe that we're seeing an influx of that blessing. He's giving us more than we need on a regular basis, which is why we got piles of groceries in the front, so that we can be a blessing. So let's be a people whose hearts are right about this, who pray to God, bless us. So here's the prayer, if you, if you just need to know what it looks like. Lord, bless me with more than I need, so I can be a blessing to the world around me. How simple is that? Bless me. 
So Jabez prays this, and then he prays, Lord, enlarge my territory. Why would he pray that? Well, because if, when he has more, when you're given more, you need a larger space to put it. And for some of you, your world's not big enough right now to hold the capacity of what God could possibly give to you. What I mean by that is you live a lifestyle that is very just you and yours. I'm going to take care of me and mine, and that's where I live. I don't reach out. I don't invite people over. I don't spend time in people's lives. I don't join grow groups. I'm not part of any. I just, it's just me, and I'm just taking care of me right now. But Jabez, Jabez prayed, enlarge my territory. Because if God's going to bless me so that I can be a blessing, I need some more influence. I need some, a bigger circle of people, more opportunities to be a blessing. I need to be in community. I need to get connected with others so that when God blesses you, you know what to do with that blessing. So we pray for influence. We pray. This is why I've mentioned already, why our lobby's full of groceries. This is why the mayor's office, when they have a need in this city, they call us. When COVID hit, do you know who the mayor called? Me. What do we do? How do we respond? When, when, the, when the city recognized that, that the population of homeless people in our city was growing, they called me and said, Aaron, what do we do? How do we serve them? They don't know. Truth is, I don't know either, but I'm willing to explore it. I'm willing to figure it out. That's why we're going out, and we're, we're, we're visiting the encampments. I was in the encampments this week, giving out blankets, giving out food, praying for people, giving water. What else can we do? How else can we serve you? What are your needs? Our city doesn't know what to do, but they know that we're a praying church. They know that we are a church of action, and so they give us these opportunities because we've prayed on a regular basis, God, grow our influence, grow our connections, grow our relationships and our opportunities to be a a blessing here in this community. And God has responded. He's blessed us with partners and resources. He's given us those opportunities because we are looking for for them. It's called ministry, by the way, guys. That's what it is. It's called ministry. And by the way, you are all ministers. Let me help you correct, correct your view of yourself. Because I think the church has done a massive disservice to people by calling them the laity. You ain't laying around doing nothing. That, that's, not, that's not what you're called to. Churches have called you the congregants. And yes, we are congregating. That's what we are doing. But you are not congregants. You are not parishioners at my parish. No. The Bible calls you ministers. Now, that doesn't mean that you have to stand on a stage and preach and or be a pastor. He's called you ministers. means that you are supposed to take what he's given you and give it out. You are supposed to administrate or administer the good news to people. Like medicine. Here, open up has some of this. It's good. You are ministers. That's what the Bible calls you. You say, well, Aaron, what are you? My job is a pastor, and my job is to equip you for the ministry God has called you to do. That's why we have Growth Track. Growth Track happens every Sunday, first, second, third, fourth Sundays of the month, directly after service. That process will help you understand why you're here on this earth, and we'll equip you for it, for the work that God has called you for. 
it's an exciting day when you discover, hey, I know I was the greatest days in your life, the day you were born and the day you find out why you were born. And you can do that in growth track. You're all ministers. Ministry is living out my faith for the benefit of others. You are a minister. You have something to offer the world that makes an eternal difference. But if you live your life too small, if you live your life only for yourself, you are truly missing out on everything that God has for you. It's time to live our lives in pursuit of what God has for us, not what we think is best for ourselves. Because what he has is bigger and what he has is better. What he has is more influence for you. So what Paul said in Ephesians 3.20, he's talking about God. He says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Pause. Ah, there's another translation that says, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all. I like that better than we could ever ask or think. What that means is that if you can dream a thing, you know what I'd love to do? I'd love to, I'd love to have an outreach for the underserved and the underprivileged. You got that dream? God's already passed that. He's got more. And I, and I wonder if I could have this program for the underserved and the underprivileged, and I wonder if it could, instead of just giving them handouts, give them a hand up and help them out of their state, help them get into some permanent housing and get their, their lives back, get a job, get a bank account, get, get, get into a church and a community, get their families back. Oh, come on, somebody. We're talking about real ministry work. And everything you can think of and everything that you can dream of and that you can believe God for, he is so far past it. He's got more. He's bigger than you think he is. And watch this. And God's just not big, and he's not just all-powerful. He says that God, he's able to do immeasurably more than we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within where? Yeah. Within Pastor Aaron? No. Within us. God's plan is to use you for ministry. That's his plan. And Paul in this verse is saying, let me remind you who God is, what he can do, and how he wants to do it. Who God is is immeasurably more than you think he is. What is, he's, he's powerful, man. The dude's all powerful. And let me tell you something about how he wants to operate it's through you. That's what Paul said. God can do incredible things by his power, but he wants to, he chooses to do them through us. And he wants to do things in your life that you can't even fathom. He wants to do more. Say, Aaron, how do I know what the more is for my life? How do I know what that looks like? How do I know what the areas are of influence that I can grow in? That's a great question. How would God even speak to me about it? Well, it tells us in Acts 2.17, in the last days, God says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people, which Peter is preaching this message, and it's literally what just happened. The day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given, and now God didn't just dwell in a place in the, temp in the temple, in a room that only certain people could go into. Now God not only walks side by side with us, but he dwelled inside of us because of what Jesus did. Okay, I'll get there in just a moment. You'll get excited about it in a moment. I'll we'll keep going. He says, I'll pour out my spirit on all people and watch what will happen. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions and your old men will dream dreams. The language of the Holy Spirit, guys, is dreams and visions. There's a dream God has put on the inside of you. And if you're willing to pray, God, bless me and enlarge my territory, you watch as that dream he's put inside of you comes to pass. 
that dream for ministry. And some of you already know what it is and you've been too scared to say it out loud. But I'm telling you, you need to start talking about it. You need to start praying about it. You need to get into your small group and your grow group and say, hey guys, this is what I feel like God's asking me to do. And it's beyond me. Would you join me and pray? Because God has something for you that is beyond you. He'll give you things. He'll give you burdens for things, for people groups. He'll put them in your heart. And I'm going to tell you, it's why we have the dream team here at this church. Because God gave me a dream, but I cannot do it without you. And the members of our dream team serve faithfully. They serve you. They serve our kids. They serve out in the parking lot. They serve in this community. God has given me a dream, and you are part of it, to reach people in Reynoldsburg that are far from God and teach them to follow Jesus step by step. Can't do that by myself. I need you. I need you for the dreams God's given me in my heart. It's why we're able to pull off Joyride, where we gave 105 brand new bikes away in the 4th of July parade. It's, I, I need you for this feeding program that we're running during the week. We're developing this outreach to the homeless community, and, and I need partners in that. I found some beautiful ones. Man, I remember the day that I shared with Tra my friend Tracy. I was like, Tracy, I got this thing in my heart that I want to do, and her eyes lit up and became ablaze, and she said, I want to go with you. I was like, all right. You know how I know I got the right person in Tracy? Because then she started telling other people about it and inviting them to join us too. And so this past Friday, we had like a little, a little group of us that went out and visited these encampments. God is doing something. When he puts a dream inside of you and you share it with someone else, you say, well, that's just because you're Pastor Aaron. No, it's not. It's because I dare to believe. I dare to believe that God's going to give me everything I need to do what he's called me to do. And if you'll dare to believe and ask God to expand your influence, he'll do it. He'll do it in you. Watch. You say, but you don't understand, Aaron. I'm not perfect, and I still cuss a little bit. Listen, you know what? I ain't scared. Let's go. I'm not scared. We do all the things that we do here at this church that are above and beyond and are reaching this community because somebody here, it's not always me, had a dream. Had a dream to do something. These dreams are not for you to pull off on your own. God will accomplish them through you, and that's the way he wants to do it. He can do more through you than you can imagine. And not just in ministry, in your life. You know, this week as I was preparing for this, one of the resources I came across, they were talking about, it's important to have like a dream for ministry and what God wants to do, but also a dream for your life, things that are bigger than you. What do you dream about? What are some things that you want to do? I, have a, I, have, I did not ever have a written bucket list before this week. Not a written one. I had a, like a mental one. And my wife have talk, and I have talked about some of the things that we wanted to do. One of them was, was because I started talking about it a few years ago, came true this year. I went to Israel. I've never been, and I wanted to go real bad. And I, I started talking to her about it. I was like, it's really, it's, it's expensive. It would be a lot of money for the two of us to go. Maybe it would just be me to go, but I don't want to go without you. And she's like, you ain't going without me. And so... <laughs> So we put it before the Lord, and, and the Lord made a way for us to go. I got something else on my bucket list. I want to lead a tour back there. Guess what? I'm going to do it June 4th next year. We're going, y'all, and you can go with me. More information is coming soon. I'll have an information session on it. I got these pretty pamphlets coming to give you all the details. But I started, so I wrote a bucket list this week. And if you haven't done this, I encourage you to take some time to do it because I'm going to tell you, once I started dreaming, it started flowing out of me. And I wrote a list. You want to know some of the stuff that's on my list? I wrote a list of 50 plus. I'm not going to read them all to you, uh, but, but I'll tell you a few of them if you want to hear them. Uh, I'll give you the first one that used to be on my list, but is no longer on my list. Like I wrote it on the list and then I was like, mm, probably not a good idea. And that was a submarine ride. 
Is that too soon? Come on, tell me it wouldn't be cool to do that and then also, given the recent situation, go, eh, better not. Better not. I'm not laughing at what happened. I'm just saying. It was truly a thing that I wanted to do, and I wrote it down, and I was like, ah, that one's coming off. (laughs) Hot air balloon ride. I want to spend some time with some monks. Like, like I don't necessarily want to practice their faith, but I want to go learn silence and solitude and meditation the way. They got that thing down. I want to spend 30 days in the, in the mountains with some monks just being quiet. That sounds, you want to go, see? There's other people that want to do that. I don't know how I'm ever going to do I want to visit the basement of the Alamo. I don't think that exists, but Pee Wee Herman said it did, so I want to go. There's heroes that I wrote out, people that I want to meet. There's, there's some things that I want, I want to perform at the Magic Castle. I want to write a book. I want to learn to play piano. I want to learn bar chords because, man, those are hard. I've been playing guitar for a long time. Bar chords are hard. Yeah, they are. Amen. I heard an amen out there. So I use cheater chords all my life. I want a helicopter ride over the volcano. I want to go to the national championships where the Buckeyes are playing. That's going to be a thing of prayer for sure because I don't know when that's going to happen again. But I want to do it. I want to develop a pastor's and minister's retreat where pastors can go and get ministered to and mentally healthy and restored to learn to rest. I want, I've never driven a new vehicle before, and someday I want to do that, and I've got the one picked out that I want to do, and I want to take cooking classes. And what about you? What do you dream of? Some of that stuff is easy stuff, right? But it's my bucket list. What do you dream about? Are you willing to say, God, these are things, I don't know how I'm going to do them, but they're things I'd like to do, and that if you, if you gave me the favor, if you gave me the opportunity, I'd step into them and I'd do them. See, we can have faith for ministry, but we can also have faith for our lives. Put your dreams before God. So my question today is, are you willing to dream? Are you willing to put your faith in God? Your life can stay small, or you can live a life that's as big as the God you serve. So he can enlarge your territory, increase your influence, and help you live a life that only he can give you. So we pray, Lord, let me see what you see so I can pursue all that you have for my life. So we pray for blessing. We pray for influence. And then Jabez prayed for God's hand to be upon his life. Why would he do that? Because presence matters. So we pray for presence. We pray for presence. Presence matters especially when you're growing in your influence. Presence matters because you don't want to go anywhere without God and unless he sends you. You don't want to do this. You need God to be with you to live that life. Me on a regular basis, I'm going to tell you in this role, I'm completely over my head. All the time. I'm in over my head. I'm not overwhelmed because God is with me. But I regularly have no idea what I'm doing. I'm day by day learning from God, trusting him as I step into spaces and opportunities that he gives me. Just trust him. Just trust him. Because when God is with me, who can be against me? Nothing can stop me. I'm all the way up. I know that's a song about drugs. I'm not talking about drugs right now. There's a high that is better than any drug can ever give you, and it is a relationship with God Almighty. Nothing can stop me. With him, I'm all the way up. It's true. Presence matters. Jabez prayed for the hand of God to be upon his life, and look what happens in Acts 11. It says, the Lord's hand was with them, and as a result, a great number of people believed and turned their lives to God. You know what happens, man. Entire communities got transformed as a result of that. There was something that was different that was with them because God was in them. The Bible calls this his anointing. It's where he puts his power on your life, and it comes with his presence. Anointing is living my life with God's power so I can live a supernatural life. It's a life you can't imagine. 
presence matters. And Moses, one of the greatest leaders ever, he knew this. That's why he said to God in Exodus 33, 15, if your presence doesn't go with us, don't send us up from here. I don't want to go. I need you with me. And every Sunday, I ask God to be with me, to anoint me, to empower me, to make me bold, to speak his truth, to declare his word every Sunday without fail. That's my prayer. And I believe my wife prays the same thing for me every Sunday without fail before I take this stage. Because I don't want to stand up here and say a thing unless God's with me. Nothing. I don't want to do it. And I believe that 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 has been the secret sauce to the ministry that God has given me. Because you know what I can say? I can say some things. I can parrot some, some pithy sayings and some important things. But if God's not with me and his power isn't flowing through me to you, then none of your hearts will be transformed. God does that work, not me. Not me. Paul said this, and I agree, 2 Corinthians 3. Not that we are competent in ourselves. It's got nothing to do with me is what he's saying. To claim anything for ourselves, but our competence, it comes from God. He has made us competent as ministers of a new covenant. Not of the letter, but of the spirit. For the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. It's not about what I have to offer. It's what about God has to offer for you through me. I want God with me, so I pray for his blessing. I pray for influence, and I pray, Lord, let your hand be on me because what you've called me to is too big for me. And if you'll pray this way and God anoints you, you're going to start walking in blessing. You're going to grow your influence. If you're going to live that way, God's going to be with you, and he's put his hand on you. You're going to start doing powerful things for the Lord. You better be sure that the enemy's going to raise his head and try to attack you. So you got to do the last thing that Jabez prayed. He prayed for protection. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here because while next week we're going to spend time with our missionaries during service and hear their stories, the following week I'm focusing solely on the subject of spiritual warfare. And we're going to talk about that prayer for protection. But I need you to understand that if you are not, if the devil is not coming against you right now, you might want to consider that you're walking with him, not against him. Because when you start making moves for the kingdom, he will attack your life. And in Peter, he called him, he said, your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith. So don't be afraid of that. You can beat the enemy. You can resist him. And I'll talk to you more about that. But spiritual warfare is confronting the enemy with the authority of God's name, the truth of the word and the power of the cross. Prayer isn't just talking to God. It's, it's communion with God and confronting the enemy. That's what it is. You can pray for your family, pray for your marriage, pray for your kids, pray for your relationship, your finances, your opportunities. Why? Because God has given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions, according to Luke 10, and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. And since this is true, we can pray for blessing, influence, presence, and finally, Lord, strengthen me in and rescue me from every attack of the enemy. And that's how we can pray. And this is a prayer that God took note of. He paused, and he honored, and he answered. Let's pray that prayer too. Amen, everybody? Let's pray, Lord, I've given it everything you asked me to give it today, and I'm praying, Lord, that we become a people, a people who believe you want to bless us, a people who believe that you have more for us, so we, we seek you to grow our influence, a people who long for and desire your presence and your anointing to be with us, and a people who are protected by your power and your word. God, walk with us as we walk out the ministries that each of you have given us, or that, that you have given each of us. 
Lord, help us to dream and trust you for more. And as we continue in this moment of prayer, I just want to know, is there anybody here that you need to make a, a decision? You need to make a commitment. You need to take a step. Say yes to Jesus. Right now is your opportunity. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus, be in a relationship with him, I'm going to pray a prayer. Nobody's going to call you out or make you stand up or come to the front. You can stay in your seat there. Just pray the prayer that I'm going to give you. It's not the words that, that change your heart. It's, it's faith that is rising your heart right now. And some of you feel it. So if you're ready to pray that prayer, would you just slip your hand up and say, Aaron, that's me today. Nobody's looking around. It's just me. But just slip your hand up. Aaron, that's me. I'm making, thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. Anybody else? Church, let's all pray together. Nobody prays alone. Say, Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. Make me brand new. Fill me with your spirit. And show me how to live for you. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, heaven's having a party. Simple Church, celebrate with people that made that decision today. Come on. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. We hope it has given you hope and helped you know God a little bit more. The goal of this podcast is to reach beyond our walls and connect with people far from God. If you'd like to join us in doing that, there are several ways for you to get involved. First, you can pray for us as a church. Prayer is our first response and our greatest resource. Pray for opportunities that we can boldly step into, make a difference in our community and around the world as we proclaim the, the good news of Jesus. Second, share this episode on your social media accounts and directly with your friends. It's easy to do through whatever platform you're currently using to listen to this message. Just click share and follow the prompts. Finally, you can support the mission through your generosity. The best part about this is that it's also an act of worship where you express the priority of your love for God and others through your finances. Links to give are in the show notes or simply visit www.mysimple.church/giving. We are so thankful you joined us today. Hope you'll consider joining the mission of our church in some way. Thank you again, and we'll see you at next week's episode.